You can't really sing a song like that and believe it unless you believe it. You got to know the character of God. You got to know who he is to be able to jump into a promise like that. To be able to, uh, even in when even when you're in a place and you are afraid and you are fearful and you are facing these big things, that you're able to stand and sing it with your fists in the air. You got to know who he is. And Jesus has made a way for us to know that God that we just sang about, for that to be our reality. And uh, this morning, I'd like to continue a little bit of where we were last week, uh, which really ties into that whole idea about knowing who, who God is. Last week, we looked at the story of the rich young ruler, which was uh, exactly what it sounds like. A powerful, young, wealthy uh, young man uh, walked up to Jesus and asked him, uh, what do I have to do to be a part of this eternal kingdom that you talk about? And Jesus says, you got to keep the commandments. And he lists some of them. And the, the, the young man says, okay, I've, d- I've done all those. What, what do I still lack, though? He sensed that there was, that, there were, that you know, I'm, I'm doing those things, but yet there's still a void. There's still something missing. What, what, is, it, what is it that I'm lacking? Because I'm not really tracking along with you there. And Jesus says, oh, well, all right, here's what you lack. Uh, go take all of your money and all your possessions and sell them. Give the money to the poor. Then come and like, f- follow after me. Like if you, if you want what you're longing for, that's what, that's what you lack. Your, your money, you're so, you're so attached to it that it's keeping you from fullness. So eliminate the problem. Then come follow after me. Says the young man went away sad, which any of us would do if God says, uh, "Hey, let me take let me take the the thing you're leaning on for security and comfort and identity, and let, let me, I want you to give it away." None of us would enjoy that. None of us would do you know cartwheels, backflips over that. Like none, none of us would would love that moment. And so last week the idea was here at the outset of a year to bring ourselves before the Lord and to be able to say. Or what do what do I still lack? You know, like I'm, I'm trying. I'm I'm living life. I'm I'm in community. I'm doing the the church thing. I'm you know I, I, like I'm doing all the things I'm supposed to do. But yet, so many of us still kind of have that that void. You, so I kind of feel like there's there's something that's missing. Something is there's something that isn't connecting that needs to. And so the challenge last week was at some point over the last week to come before the Lord and say, Lord, what do I, what do I still lack? We know what the rich young ruler lacked. You, you know me better than anyone. What, what do I lack? And I don't know if you did that or not. So I'm going to ask you to raise your hands if you did. I'm just kidding. Uh, if you didn't do it this week, it's not too late. It's fine. But the idea that if we as a church, if every individual was coming before the Lord and asking that question, how transformative that could be. Um, and even if we walk away sad, the, the, the first domino that you, in the sequence of transformation is, is, is at least pushed over. At least, you know what, at least you know what it is. We have the courage to do what God has called us to do. That's kind of a different matter. But, 
But it's about us moving forward in that and us having the, the, the confidence in who Jesus is to come before him and say, just sh- show me what I'm lacking. And then, then I'll process it. I'll deal with it. And so I'd like to sort of continue that idea of, of us opening ourselves up to God's input on our lives, to, to him being the one to shape us and correct us and mold us, to encourage us in the things that, we're, that are just, that are great, and to bring conviction and correction and direction in the things that need to be refined, that we could have um, that same moment with the Lord. And so in Jeremiah chapter 9, there are these two verses that are kind of tucked away in the midst of kind of a difficult story. Um, So Israel had a very uh, up and down relationship with God. Sometimes they were very faithful as a nation. Other times they were not faithful. But in general, they were, at this point, they were not being very faithful. They had really bad leadership, uh, both political leadership and also religious leadership. Uh, there was a lot of oppression of those who were marginalized, a lot of taking advantage of the poor, uh, ignoring the widows, ignoring the, the orphans, uh, you know, th- those who are, are the most dependent on other people to help them. Uh, they were being overlooked. So there's a lot of injustice. Um, it was very, very common for Israel to, uh, to give themselves over to worship of different idols, like different, like carved uh, objects that represented certain gods and all these other kinds of things. It's very normal for them to uh, to spend time worshiping a, a, a carved like face into a, a tree, and then the next day to go to God's temple and to lift up prayers to God and sacrifices to God and worship to God, as though they weren't worshiping an idol the day before, or as though they wouldn't worship a different idol the next day afterwards. So there's this real hypocrisy in, in, in terms of their consistency with God. And so they were just so, they were, as a nation, they were confused because they had given themselves over to this idol worship so much so that they saw no problem coming in and worshiping God at the same time. And then their leaders were not doing anything to help them see this or any, any difference. And there was so much injustice in the world that there was brokenness everywhere. And it was just kind of this really dark, hopeless bummer of a time to, to live. And so Jeremiah has the privilege to go in and to, to be God's messenger to them. And he cried a lot. Because that is a difficult place to go and minister. No one wants that guy to come in and offer correction. Uh, but he got to do that. And I do say it's a privilege, but I think it was a difficult one. And so that's the context. And so um, there he is ministering in this context. And, and really, it's not that different than us today. Right? Like our, our leadership is not always great. Whether political, you know, like in terms of like the government, our leadership is not always great in terms of the church. Uh, There's still a lot of oppression, still a lot of taking advantage of the marginalized. There's so much idol worship in our in our world that it may not be a little statue carved into a piece of wood necessarily, but our idolatry still shows up and our churches are still full. And so it's not exactly the same as with Jeremiah. But there's enough similarity where I believe that what he has to say to them from the Lord can track into our lives as well. This is what he says, just two verses, Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. Thus says the Lord, 
Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. That's God's word to a culture that's struggling with idolatry, that's struggling with injustice, that's struggling with, with having that like focused life on the God of their fathers, the sustainer of their lives. Now, if we get into what, they, what he, he's talking about here more specifically, just to be clear, he's, he's not saying, don't be smart or gain any knowledge. He's not saying, um, don't take care of your body or try to be healthy. Don't accumulate wealth or own things. That's not what he's saying. Like in verse 23, when he talks about wisdom and he talks about might and he talks about riches, he's not saying that, that those things in and, in and of themselves are these terrible things in your life. He addresses the attachment to them. Notice that he says, uh, says let, the wise man, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. The man is wise. He said, yeah, but let him not boast in that. Let the mighty man not boast in his might. Let the rich man not boast in his riches. That it isn't about those three things as much as it is the man's connection to those three things. And when, when we see the word boast, like we tend to think of like some sort of like arrogant bragging that goes on, you know. So after the saints beat the eagles today, there'll be a lot of boasting going on, right? I'm one of my favorite like like bragging points I've ever seen was it was a a poster at this restaurant and it was for this little town uh, down south uh, like way down like Morgan City somewhere and they claimed that they were the catfish capital of the universe. I'm like, man, I have so many questions right now about how you guys got to be the catfish capital of the universe. But that's what we think of in, in terms of boasting. That's not really what that word means in terms of dragging it into our context. That's, this is more about praising and exalting and relying. Let not, let not the, the wise man praise his wisdom let him not exalt his wisdom. Let him not rely on his wisdom. Let him not find all of his worth and value and identity in his wisdom. This is, this is not a, a parent who is proud of their kids and talks about them all the time. You know, this is the parent who, uh, this is the, the dad losing his mind in the bleachers because his kid missed a grounder. Living vicariously through his kid. That's, that's what this is. It's that kind of boasting. It's that kind of connection. It's that kind of un- unhealthy attachment to, to, to something else. See the difference? So it isn't boasting in a, like a parent that loves their kid. It's boasting in a unhealthy attachment, living vicariously through your, through your child. It's this, it's this weird kind of praise and exalting and, and reliance that goes on. 
And so it's about the attachment. So it's the attachment to these three things. So the word wisdom there is used a couple of different ways throughout the Bible. Um, it talks about the skill of a craftsman or an artist. Or in other places, it comes down to knowing what to do in a certain situation. So it's, it's, it's the wisdom of knowing how to, how to craft something and, and the artistry that goes into there. Or it's the wisdom of knowing just the right thing to do in a really crazy situation. Or it's someone who just has a lot of knowledge and a lot of understanding about a subject. It's kind of a, this wide understanding of wisdom. The word might, it's used to talk about physical strength. So we're used to talk about military power. It's used to, in, in, to describe uh, people who are particularly good athletes. It's used to describe um, like a valiant, brave warrior. So it kind of encompasses all those things. The word riches, it's pretty obvious what that is. Talk about money and possessions and all the power and stuff that comes with having those things. So again, the problem isn't, it isn't about wisdom or might or riches. It's about how people who are flourishing in those things, those things, how they tend to grab onto them. It's their relationship to them. It's their connection there. And a little bit, a little bit of wisdom makes you crave more wisdom. A little bit of might makes you crave more might. A little bit of money makes you crave more money. It's it's the kind of this self perpetuating problem. And so here's this this one verse right here that sums up Israel's spiritual condition. God's basically saying, "Here's you, you want to know what you lack. Here's what you lack. You're exalting the wise." You're exalting the mighty. You're exalting the rich. They're grabbing onto those things to find their identity. And the whole culture is just championing that and celebrating that. And, and everything is focused on those three things. It's, it's all about what you know. And it's about uh, like what you, like how strong and how just kind of, um, yeah, everything kind of in that category. And then about how much money that you have. That everyone is so focused on those things. But there is a weird attachment that's going on. And I would say that we have our own expressions of those things. That when we read that list, we're like, yeah, that's it's not difficult to understand. We have some of these same problems. We have a, an attachment to wisdom. So in his case, he's talking about a a craftsman, like knowing how to do something or knowing what to do, or just knowing a lot about various subjects. And for us, we tend to exalt the brilliant minds among us. I'm not talking about like appreciate them. Like I can appreciate someone who's just flat out knowledgeable about something. I think that's awesome. But there tends to be culturally... I'm not talking about like you guys in our church. I'm just saying just like these are these are cultural assessments that culturally we tend to exalt those brilliant minds among us. And we have this like abundance of information available to us at our fingertips all the time. And so at any moment we can know a lot of things about a lot of things. It's just very easy easy. And we kind of have developed this this craving to just know more stuff. And sometimes it's about really, really good things. Like, um, 
you know, very, very helpful things to know. Uh, there are the fact that we can very easily access information comes in very handy. I bet a lot of people in this room have fixed something around their house because they just went to YouTube and looked up video of how to do it. Right. Like that's, that's awesome that we, that we can do that. That's, that's a, a really tremendous thing. And there's also a lot of information about very pointless things that are out there too, but it's all right there for us. We probably all have gotten lost in Wikipedia at some point where you just keep jumping from like one, one link to the next link to the next link. We've done that with YouTube. We've done that with, we have all these podcasts. I mean, anybody can do a podcast now. We do a podcast. That sort of shows you how low the bar is, you know. Uh, anybody can do a podcast. Anybody can write a book. There's all these documentaries on TV. There aren't enough, there's enough time to watch all the Netflix documentaries that I want to watch. Like I have to just take a summer off and just do that. There's so much there that's just, it's interesting to us. I could watch TED Talks uh, just all day long to me. There's all these things that are just right there for us. And so all of our hobbies become far more informed. It used to be you just kind of had a hobby. You know, you just, you like to do something, you just went and did it. And now... You have to study it and research it and practice it and try new things and get better and better gear and better, and better this and this and this and this. So like hobbies have taken on a whole new life. Like I am, I am, I noticed this about myself recently. Like I, if I watch a movie in my house, um, I am half watching the movie and half looking on IMDb to just be like, oh, I recognize that actor. I wonder who that is. Oh, was, oh, he was in that movie with this person. Oh, that's pretty cool. wonder where they film, what the filming locations were. What's that soundtrack song? You know, like, what's the budget for this movie? Who directed it? It's all there. And I'm, I'm so, like, in both worlds at the same time. And so, for me, even watching a movie has now become, like, I have so much more information about the movie that uh, I've impressed myself. <laughs> we, we know more about history than ever. The things we're curious about. And the things that you just aren't curious about. Have you ever like, like been kind of going down one of those rabbit trails on the internet and then next thing you know you're reading an article about something that you, you just don't care about it. But you, but you cared about it when you went to that page and now you're like, what am I reading about? This is the most obscure thing in the world. Why do I care about this? It's because we crave information and it's right there for us. So why wouldn't you crave it? it offers a lot of insight about a lot of things. <clears throat> Let me give you one, one example of something that I'll circle back to in a minute. Uh, it's called the Enneagram. Yeah. Some of you are like, oh no, he's not about to you know, make fun of the Enneagram. I'm not going to make fun of the Enneagram. The Enneagram is one of a number of different personality uh, type assessments. So if you're unfamiliar with it, um, it's very similar to, there was, there was type A, type B at one point in time. There's Myers-Briggs that had the four different letters. There was the one where you're either a, a lion, an otter, a golden retriever, or a beaver, you know, puts you in like an animal category, uh, those kind of things. This is another one of those where it puts your personality type into one of nine different zones or whatever. And it is, it has really become a thing, hasn't it? If you don't know what it is, you, don't, you may not know what I'm talking about. But if you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. It is a thing. It is a thing. And I believe that the reason why this has become an obsession with people of studying different Enneagram types, 
figuring out which of the nine numbers you are and all your tendencies, your strengths, your your weaknesses, the the role that you play in society, famous people who are also your number. Uh, Mine is uh, Hitler was one of mine. So I was kind of, you know, I'm kind of done with this at this point. Um, Those, those kinds of things, I think are reflective of the fact that we, we, we want to know so much and we want to know about ourselves a lot as well. When you begin to read something and you're like, man, I, now I understand myself more. And so you crave it and you want more and more and more and more. That an attachment to wisdom is not just for Jeremiah's day. We're here as well. And it's probably as bad as it's ever been. I'll let's say we have a deep thirst for knowledge and we consume it like never before in history. Then he talks about might. And like I said earlier, he's not talking about like, hey, don't, don't be healthy. Don't take care of yourself. That's not what he's talking about. It's more that, that exaltation of the, of the beautiful celebrities and athletes in our world. It's like this, this real like dominating vanity about how we look and how we're perceived. That we'll do whatever it is to whatever it takes to look a certain way, be perceived a certain way for people to think that we are cool. That that's, there's this pressure that exists in our world all the time. And it, it used to be where I used to think that, that women were under a different kind of pressure in regard to appearance and perception than men were. But I don't think that's really the case. I think both it, the pressure is not the same, but there's pressure for for all of us, and I think that's related to the kind of might that he's talking about here. That it isn't like in Jeremiah's day; it was about the the strong, valiant warrior and everyone's exaltation of them, or their own um, in, insecurities because they weren't like that. You know, that whole comparison thing. I think for us today, we, we do the same thing. We, we see people exalting the, the mighty, but for us, it's, it's really about the, it's the beautiful and the cool in whatever ways that you would describe that. And the third one he talks about is riches. And so uh, we, of course, exalt people with cool stuff. They have a lot of money, so they can buy a lot of things. And it shows up whenever we end up like living beyond our means. You know, or, yeah, at the top of our means, beyond our means, however you want to think of it. That we want stuff so much that we'll go into tons of debt to get it, you know, which ties to looking cool, which ties into information a lot of times, too, because we, it all kind of like feeds itself. Like all three of these things kind of weave together in a really weird way. And then we go champion that in other people where it's like, man, can you believe, can you believe this guy, you know, has a $6 trillion house. That's so awesome. And we're like, who needs to see, I'm obviously not really a real thing, but culturally people are like, man, that's so great. Unbelievable that that guy has such a, like a huge expensive house, unless he's a pastor, you know, those guys get dragged through the mud, but, um, <laughs> It's that weird exaltation, that weird attachment that we have to knowledge, to appearance and looking cool and might and that, all that stuff that comes in that category into our stuff. 
And all I'm saying, I'm not looking at us as a church and saying, guess what, guys? We've fallen into that trap. I, I would tell us, like I would, like if, if, it, if our church ever gets into a situation and we need to be corrected, I'm not shy about that. I don't want you to hear me bringing that, that kind of thing to you of like saying, all right, I'm about to drop some hammers because y'all are doing this. What I'm saying is that we as a culture are not that different from where Jeremiah was ministering. And we can fall into those same traps. Corporately, as a family, we can fall into those traps. Individually, we can fall into those traps. It's right there for us. So again, not saying don't be smart or gain wisdoms. Not saying... Don't take care of your body or be healthy. Don't accumulate wealth or own things. It's what are you going to boast in? What are you going to be connected to? What are you praising and exalting and relying on? And so what God does, he has this really beautiful way of uh, saying, hey, let me, let me just reroute you. That's what he does to the rich young ruler. He's like, hey, all you, like you're boasting in your wealth. Let me just reroute you. Get rid of that stuff and just come this way and follow me. He doesn't beat him up, you know, he's not like, you self-centered, you know, little punk, I can't believe this. He doesn't, he's like, go do this, and then do this. And so to the nation of Israel, he says, hey, don't, if, if you're, if you're wise, don't rely on your wisdom. If you're, if you're mighty, don't, don't praise your valor and strength. If you're wealthy, don't. Don't hang your hat on that. If, but you're going to boast in something. We were created to boast in that sense. We were created to praise. We were created to exalt. We were created to rely. Their problem is they were just, they were just channeling that to the wrong things. They were, they were tethered to the wrong stuff. So it's very natural for us to look for something to praise. So God's like, hey, don't boast in that. If you're going to boast in something, boast in this. Look at what he tells them. Verse 24. Let him who boasts, boast in this. That he understands and knows me. That I'm the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. So if you're going to boast in something, boast in the fact that you have a relationship with the creator and sustainer of the universe. It's just very simple. Like if you're going to praise something, if you're going to exalt something, if you're going to rely on something, if you're going to pour yourself into something, that's where we pour ourselves into. There's an investment in that relationship. So, there's benefit to understanding ourselves. There's a benefit to the Enneagram or the personality test or anything, however you want to like understand yourself. There's, there's a benefit to that. But you know that the Bible never tells us to make understanding ourselves a priority? Not one time. The Bible does talk about understanding God as a priority. So if you want to understand yourself, here be my encouragement... Study the, the one whose image you were made in. 
Like, don't study the the copy, study the original. Then then look at the Enneagram. So once you're like, okay, I, I think I understand God, which you won't ever totally, but you know, just let's just say that you do. But once you've channeled that energy into understanding the Lord, knowing Him, knowing His character, you've taken verse 24 very seriously. Then you're like, let me take this Enneagram survey and see if I can understand myself and understand where I am compared to where I'm going to be and let him like lead me toward that instead of working the other direction. So yeah, know all about your Enneagram. That's fine. That's fine. But the pursuit of our lives has to be knowing and understanding the Lord. That's what he draws us into. The solution to our vanity is humility. The solution to our obsession with looking cool, looking a certain way, being perceived certain ways, all those kind of stuff. The solution to all of that vanity is humility. And what's more humbling than knowing that the God of the universe loves you and and has saved you and wants to transform you into his image from one degree of glory to another? who saved you from an eternity away from him into an eternity with him, what is more humbling than walking side by side with that God through your life? So the solution to our wisdom obsession is, is to like to become obsessed with knowing, but knowing the character of God and knowing who he is and what he has done. The solution to our vanity is humility, which is found in walking with the Lord uh, throughout our lives and you want to find something that is of greater wealth than the Lord? You won't find it. So what he's telling Israel, and I think also telling us, is that the very solution to your, to your problem of being tethered to the wrong things is simply to tether yourself to the one thing. That's it. It's just that simple. Second part of verse 24 says to know me and to understand me that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice and righteousness in the earth. To know his character and to celebrate his character, to become obsessed with like a deeper and deeper and deeper understanding of of who he is, what those words mean to us. Not just to assume like, oh, that's, those are some, like, that's like a Bible verse and it's full of like these phrases that are normal to us, but say, no, like, let's, let's really figure out, do we know what those words mean? That's part of what our community group did last fall was like, let's not assume that we all understand the terms. Let's study these terms. Let's channel ourselves into that kind of wisdom and that kind of knowledge. You know, Solomon in, in Ecclesiastes, he talks about, he says, everything is vanity. And he, he uses a, that, that word that we translate vanity is kind of mysterious uh, in the Hebrew. And it's because it refers to a vapor. Like it's literally when it's cold enough outside and you see your breath and then it goes away. It's like, yeah, that's, that's what a lot of the book of Ecclesiastes, he's like, yeah, that's, we become obsessed with things that are vapors. That our knowledge and wisdom and stuff in, a, in an ultimate sense is a vapor. 
Our might is a vapor. Our riches, a vapor. And so we're tethered to these things that are not ultimate. And God says, hey, I've, I've given you the one thing that you need. Now, these little 30 days of prayer booklets, um, it's written pretty much to just do this, this one thing. It's written to take verse 24 and to make it real for us. It's all about the character of God, different perspectives. We did, we did a, most of this content a couple of years ago as a church, and it's very simple. It's, there's, a, there's a passage that you read, and then some thoughts on that passage or that idea, and then something specific, just, just to tell the Lord. We're not trying to listen. We're not trying to ask Him things. We're not trying to... It's just like this whole month of just one way Look at what the scripture says about God. A few thoughts on kind of maybe how that shakes out. And then like, here's something. Just tell him this today. Think about this, this about him throughout your day today. And take time to thank him, to tell him that he is awesome. Just this, this, we're just, just this one-way thing. But we're trying to, to basically say, God, I, I want to know you. I want to understand you. I want to know what it means that that you bring steadfast love and justice and righteousness to the earth. I want to know that when I walk through the fire, I will not be burned. That when the waves come, I will they will not overtake me. I want to know that I've been called by name, but I want to know the one who's calling my name. Like th- those are the things that I want to be real and tangible in my life. And so I would just invite you into this next month. Like I said, these are available at all the entrances. Take one with you. But, but this is what we're going for. We're trying to let go of all these weird things we're tethered to. And we're trying to tether to the, to the one thing. We're trying to, to channel our, our thirst for knowledge and for um, acceptance and our knowledge for whatever uh, in, into this one thing, this, this one my first love of ours. And if you are a follower of Christ, you know, like that's, that's who we are really. That's that deep within us. There, there is a longing for the deep parts of us to connect to the deep parts of him. Deep calling to deep, deep calling to deep. And so you might connect with this passage. You might connect with with being someone who is wise, who's boasting in his wisdom, or mighty, boasting in his might, or rich, boasting in his riches. Or you may want to plug in some other idea that God's showing you, that maybe you ask him, what do I still lack? And that's essentially what he's saying to you. And all God wants to do is just reroute us into the right thing. And I would encourage you to let him. And I hope you would encourage me, for me to let him, that this month of praying and showering God with affection and love would get us to where we're like, you know, I used to boast in things other than him. And now I'm just, I just can't get enough of him. I hope that that is the case for us. I hope that God uses this next month to get us down the road. So, in response to this, we're, we'll respond the way that, some ways that we normally do. You may want to pray. You may want to um, receive communion. 
you are welcome in our communion line. Um, this is the kind of communion where you, you take the bread and you dip it yourself. So be, be ready. Uh, if you want to come kneel at the steps and pray, you can. A couple of our ministers will be available at the front. You can just sing. You can do whatever you want. But uh, please don't leave here wondering if God wants to know you and for you to know him. Now, spoiler, he already knows you. But he wants you to know him. He wants that that relationship in place. He doesn't want you boasting in a vapor. He didn't create you to boast in that. He created you to boast in him. And so as we respond through communion or song or in prayer or uh, you can give at our stations over here. Let's just let's let let's let the Lord lead us. And let's do that together. Let's stand. I pray for us. God, I'm thankful that you loved Israel enough to refuse to let them just sit by and gravitate toward these idols, to these vapors. You loved them enough to tell them the truth, and you love us enough to tell us the truth. So in these next few minutes, God, would you help us to be courageous in our, uh, our approach to you? That we would continue to ask you what we lack. That we would continue to respond in obedience as you show us. That there's something that was stirred up through the scriptures this morning. Whether it's about wisdom or might or riches or something else. Uh, we know that you have freed us from, from being connected to the wrong things. And you freed us so that we be, can be connected to the right thing. And so may we, in these closing moments, may we let go of those vapors and we grab on to you and what you have for us. Give us some determination about this next month of praying together. But in these moments, will you just uh, have your way with us as individuals and as a church family? We thank you. We we praise you. We love you. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.